0: Welcome to another edition of Inside the War Room. Ryan Ray here as always. And today my guest is Jennifer Cabrera, who is the editor at the Alachua Chronicle and a contributor to Rational Ground. I think I got all of those right, maybe, maybe not.
1: You did. Thanks for having me, Ryan.
0: Okay. And just for the listener's standpoint, um, we are um, going to get into COVID today. So if you are upset, don't like COVID conversations, then go ahead and hit the eject button now. Um, But for the adults in the room, Feel free to sit around and have a COVID conversation, if you will. Um, Jennifer, what made me reach out, like I told you this, was I saw your pinned tweet, which let me pull this up right now. It says, stop whining about mask slash vax mandates. Do something. Don't just hope that someone will save you. Quit your job. Find the new school. Move. File a lawsuit. There, this is no longer the America we once knew. And what, it, what happens next is up to you. Those are pretty strong words. What made you write them?
1: Yes, they are. And, and of course, I get a lot of feedback telling you that I'm very harsh and not everybody can do that. <laughs> but heroes are not everybody. Mm-hmm. And in every period of our history, we know the names of people who have stood up against tyranny. And that's because they did. And it, if if you're if everybody's standing up, you don't have to. If nobody's standing up, the, the people that do it make the difference. That's how we're, I'm not saying everybody has to do it. It'd be great. If everybody did, nobody would, I mean, we'd all, we could all just do it together and say, right. get it. you know, we're not wearing masks. We're not getting vaccines that we don't want. Um, you know, I don't just to be clear, if you want a vaccine, get a vaccine, it's, it's your decision. It's the mandates I'm against. Um, you know, if, if, if everybody said I'll quit my job, if you mm. make me take it, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be where we are, but we are there. And too many people are being forced to make medical decisions and health decisions that are not their own decisions. They're being mandated by somebody else. And in many cases, they don't make any sense and they don't have any efficacy data behind them. And the only way out of this is, is some sort of mass resistance and it's got to start with somebody.
0: So um, this, this tweet is from, Uh, July 28th of this year. So just about a few weeks ago, I guess it is now. Um, Have you been this strong on COVID from day one? Did your position evolve? Did it change? How would you take it? From day one.
1: Um, So at at Alachua Chronicle, I thought when, as this was coming on, I thought, Hey, um, if they're going to give us data, then I need to give it to my readers. I started tracking it every day. I started charting it so they could see it in context. But the whole time, my husband and I, he's a retired Air Force officer, we were talking about that, you know, the, the two weeks to slow the spread, we were against that even. But we understood that at that point, there was some reason for caution. When we went into 30 days, you know, the next 30 days in April, we we were done already. Like, right. That's not the role of public health or a government to tell people whether their businesses can operate, what's an essential versus a non-essential business, all of that. None of that is the role of government. And so my husband's first opinion piece on this was on March 23rd, 2020, about how there's no reason for a state of emergency that, you know, this can all be handled in our normal. There's, there's no pandemic clause in the Constitution. There, there's literally no, go, there's no authority for the government to do anything they've done during COVID. And that's been our consistent position the whole time. And I'm not saying at any point that COVID is not serious, um, that it's not a threat to certain people, but, but our public health authorities have not been clear about who it's a threat to. They've put forth this idea that everybody's gonna die if they get it, instead of saying, hey, um, you know, if you're older, if you're heavier, if you have certain comorbidities, then you should do this and this and this. And instead, all they say is everybody wear a mask and now everybody get a vaccine. And Neither of those things appear to, and it's looking now like they make it worse, which I know that's heresy, but how do you explain the fact that we have right now something like 91% of the seniors in Florida vaccinated and over 50% of the people over 12, and yet this wave is worse than last summer? There's nobody expected that. We all expected we'd have a tiny bump this summer. Nobody thought it would look like this. So What's the explanation? I, I, I know the, ex- the official one is Delta, <laughs> but we have data from the UK that Delta is more transmissible, but less deadly. So, how, again, how do we explain the fact that our hospitals are overrun, that these crazy out of season waves have come in places like the UK? The UK doesn't typically have a summer wave, but they're highly vaccinated and they got a summer wave there's so much going on that we don't have the answers to. And our public health authorities don't seem to be interested in those questions. They're only interested in increasing the tyranny. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So my stance on COVID, um, was, Oh, you can go back and find it. There's a podcast like March 2nd, a different show. And I I said a second or third, um, a buddy and I were were considering going to run with the bulls in Spain. And I said at that time, I said, Hey, you know, I'm good. I'm not worried about this. Um, you know, I am a little bit overweight, but I'm willing to roll the dice here. Um, and I said, the only people I'm worried about is my kids. Now, at that time, that's what we're being told, and I, I know by the March 13th because of something that happened personally that I'd changed my position on that because I remember reading the stat that, um, you know, no kid under the age of 12, I think it was, had died of COVID. This was like March. This is like before March 12, 13th, something like that, of of 20. Twenty last year <laughs> that that was being if, if you just read the news you you come across a number and so I, I changed that position and so my stance on COVID um, was you know I'm a free market libertarian so very little government is what I'm going to push for but to make a concession if you wanted to take the people oh I don't know pick a number 55 60 65 and up that um, you know pick a number give them you know, three months of living expenses to sit on the sideline. And then people who have like stage four cancer, heart transplant patients, I don't know, pick a people who are, you know, who are are really susceptible to dying from disease in general and subsidize them for three months just to kind of see what's going on. That seemed to be a good compromise from the libertarian perspective, if nothing else. Um, Instead, what we did was, you know, wreck the entire economy. (laughs) And to your point, you know, whether you agree with my stance is or your stance is, Um, you know, our stance seems to be pretty clear, which would have been the much better solution. And there's not been any recognition that, Hey, yeah, we, we went too far. in this It's just double down, double down, double down, double down. And at some point you're like, well, you know, where does this end? And that's why I find your tweak so compelling because it's like, you have to draw a line in the sand at some point, or it will never end.
1: There's never been an end point ever. There's never been a this will end if we get to, you know, we were told if we get to X percent vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Now, agree, we haven't gotten there, but at some point you have to say this is what people want. Let them make their own decision. There's there's never been an end point. And, and in fact, like you say, they keep doubling down. Now, back to your point about, you know, a libertarian solution or what government can do, what government could do, obviously, provide more resources to hospitals, Right. Um, provide more, the money that we spend on testing and tracing, if we had spent that on improving ventilation in public buildings, that might have made a difference. Um, Certainly, providing accommodations to people who are at risk, Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether that's letting them work remotely, um, providing virtual schooling options, letting, even letting people self-identify as at risk instead of shutting down the whole economy, which had the effect of not Um, the best way through a pandemic is for the low-risk people to develop herd immunity. We literally kept that from happening by sending home university students and closing the schools.
0: Right, which is why I said, you know, if if we have to do something, take the high-risk people, the 60, 65, pick, pick an age group, you know, up there, and the people who are sick and put them on the sideline for a few months, let the rest of us go about our business, and then we can figure out what to do with them. Now, again, that's not...
1: And even that not mandatory, just have an option
0: for that. Yeah, and so, but but I can understand if I can understand if you're 75 or 80, uh, COVID's hitting it, and if you if you're paying attention, you realize that you are the person uh, that's most likely to get it, and you know potentially have uh, uh, bad consequences. I can realize you saying, "Listen, man, if I go to work, (laughs) you know, I might die. If I got to get out, you know," so I I can understand uh, the government working on something like that. But 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 it's it's been it's been quite frustrating. And then to your point about um, you know standing up, I think this kind of gets lost that. You know, a lot of these battles are run on the margin, if you will. It's not really necessarily um, the the majority, if you will. It's it's the loud, vocal minority from the right, from the left, libertarian, wherever that really kind of rules the rules the day. And in this case, um, I don't think most Americans are really wanting to give up their liberty, but they're also Afraid of the blowback, and rightfully so, right? If you have a nine to five for Microsoft or Google or you know insert big corporation here, um, and you're not careful, you could lose your livelihood. And so, for those who don't have those um, uh, burdens, then they need to consider being more vocal.
1: Yeah, exactly. Certain, like I said, everybody doesn't need to give up their job, but for example, um, in my city, remember, I live in Free Florida, right? Our governor's going all over media, talking about how in Florida you are you have personal responsibility, you get to make your own decisions. That is not true in my county. Our county commission is meeting tomorrow to talk about a community mask mandate, um, which we were told can't happen in Florida. Um, our city, city of Gainesville, um, which is the larger city near me, um, is mandating vaccines for all their workers. They are up in arms. These are workers that... Have been essential the whole time. These are police officers, firefighters, utility workers that worked the whole time with the public. They've all had COVID, or at least they've been exposed multiple
0: Both times. Them. Yeah, right.
1: um, you know they 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 had to work when there was no vaccine, there was no remote option, and now they're being told if you don't get a vaccine, we're firing you. They're mad. So, but then but then what's the answer? Because their unions aren't aren't really standing up for them because we all know where unions lead, right, or lean. Um, so what? what's the answer? There, people are going to have to get fired. Um, now, the city's point of view is, yeah, wait till we start firing people. They'll all fall in line. That's what can't happen. They ha- they can't. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I know people are really, really mad, and I know somebody's going to have to lose their job to get yes. through this.
0: Yeah, just as an aside, we put this out the other day, and we have a couple potential lined up. If you are a nurse, firefighter, etc., who worked through the pandemic or worked in a hospital and you are losing your job because you don't want to get the vaccine, we'd love to have you on this podcast to talk about this. Because um, last year, it really it was really weird. Um, we went all hero worship of the nurses, and I'm not saying what they weren't doing is a noble task, but we went very much hero worship to, you have to like you have to you know we're we're sacrificing our country to make sure these people aren't overrun to oh, if you don't get the shot, uh, we're going to boot you. Speaking of the shot, I, I'm I'm curious. Uh, I've pointed this out a couple times to people, and no one – I can't get a lot of agreement here. I'm curious. Am I the only person who finds it weird they don't call it the COVID shot? They call it the jab? I think that's – Think about it. get the flu shot. But, but see, if you call it a I shot
1: – I thought that was more coming from, from you know, the the anti-mandate So I don't even know why it's called the jab. I, I'm hearing that's coming from the U.K., Maybe. That's more so, of a
0: UK word. Maybe so, it, but it's, it's interesting because in the US, you know, shots are feared by people, right? And so we've called it the jab, and it's kind of brought into the vernacular, like get the jab. It's like it's quite interesting. I'm not I'm not putting on the tenfold hat conspiracy. It's just it's just weird that you know, we call it the flu shot, but it's the COVID. You you just get you get the quote, you get the jab. And so um, if you follow someone like um, oh gosh, who's the guy? He has a book right here somewhere. Oh, uh, Luntz, uh, Frank Luntz. You know, he's big on. Using the right word to get your message across, and so I've I've wondered if that's been part that's of the
1: messaging. It might be.
0: Yeah. I don't know. yeah. Okay. Um. So you mentioned people might get get fired in, in Florida. I did want to unpack this because what is what has happened in Florida? Because DeSantis has gotten a lot of credit. Um. I have some concerns about my state Abbott and some things that DeSantis has said. We'll talk about that in a second. But from your perspective, did DeSantis is it really been free Florida? Has it been over overstated? Um. How good of a job has he done?
1: Well, it's clearly been overstated, but it's not DeSantis's fault. Okay. He his position is that he's doing things that he has the constitutional and statutory authority to do. He does not have the authority to say no cities can have mass meetings. Now, I mean, he would ha- if he could put us back in a state of emergency and do emergency orders, but he he doesn't want to work that way. What he wants is for the legislature to pass laws. And so people like me are pushing hard for a special session because our session was very early. It was March to March and April. Well, April and May, whatever, March to May. So we were done by the end of May, which everybody thought at the end of May, that this is all going away. Nobody's going to, masks are just going to disappear. Vaccines taking care of the problem. COVID's over. So they didn't pass the laws that needed to be passed. And so I'm pushing for a special session to get rid of masks on children um, get rid of vaccine mandates on everybody. We have right now in Florida, the, they passed a law, a vaccine passport law, that businesses can't require or government can't require a vaccine to provide service. But there's no protection for employees right now. We need that. And no vaccine, no mandate, no vac- dim- discrimination against people based on their vaccination status. So you can't have a rule in your that if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. But if you're not vaccinated, you do have to wear a mask, that kind of thing. You can't make people sit in a different place because they're not vaccinated. That kind of thing. So I want those three things. There's a bunch of us pushing for this special session, including the governor. He would like them to come back and do a special session and actually do this the right way and make laws. And the legislators are dragging their feet. They're all like, oh, it's August, we're on vacation, we have plans, we can't bother to come back. If you make us come back, we'll vote against everything. Um, They're coming back in the third week of September for committee meetings, and then ah, you know, we'll take care of it then. That's too late already for City of Gainesville employees. They already have to have their first shot before then. So this is not acceptable, but it's not on DeSantis. It is on the legislature.
0: So here is my concern is that when I I hear you talk about this um, is what we're seeing, you know, we've, we've heard the term constitutional crisis a lot uh, thrown out, but I really fear that COVID um, has put us in a constitutional crisis that we might not be able to unwind. And here's what I mean, you know, what you're seeing is, you know, each, each level, you know, whether it's the County level, I can tell you here in Texas, where I live, um, the next County over, um, when when the people last May June started really protesting, one of the county uh, mayors commissioner I can't remember who it was came out and he said that the the state or the feds I can't remember which one threatened them that if they didn't comply they would be held personally liable for not complying. That was that was his claim. I don't know if it's true or not. And I remember going, oh my gracious, personal liability for not upholding a, a a statute like that's that's serious. You could lose your house, you could lose your livelihood. You know that's that's a lot. Um, I, Are you concerned that as we go further, when we see that, you know, whatever DeSantis is doing, the the local city is doing, you know, there's going to be challenges to the courts, that we won't be able to reorder society properly because uh, what we saw last year is, hey, listen, it's not exactly clear who's in charge at what level and how much authority they have.
1: And that's going on in my own county. We have our – so DeSantis has been telling us all summer we're not going to have masks on children in schools. And way back in May or June, the Department of Health – put out a, a, a memo saying, hey, you know, we expect that children will be unmasked in schools. Department of Education, same thing. We expect that children will be unmasked in schools. And it, that was all fine until, you know, two weeks ago when all of, you know, Florida's in its seasonal surge and everybody's freaking out and there's panic everywhere and hospitals are filling up and they're like, oh, we must do something. So then they said, we are going to mask. So... Department of Health and Department of Education, they both met in emergency, you know, they put out emergency rules and they said, you can't, you can have mask mandates, but because, so what the legislature did do over the summer is they gave us a parental rights bill. So based on this parental rights bill that says that parents have the right to to, to direct their children's schooling, medical decisions, all of that, based on that, uh, districts have to offer a parental opt-out not a medical, but a parental. So my district defied that. And they're requiring medical opt-outs. In fact, only signed by specific types. Like it has to be a medical doctor, not can't be a, a psychologist or something about an anxiety issue. It has to be a medical issue. Um, our superintendent is actually calling doctors and questioning the codes on these masses. it's crazy. Okay, so they're defying the state. They're literally breaking these rules from the state level. Then Biden weighs in in, and he says, I support you defying the state. And if the state, so the state, their only really thing they can do is withhold money. So Biden says, if they withhold your money, you can use your ESSER funds to make up that. So we have now three levels of government all fighting with each other. And it's completely unclear who wins. It's just going to be who has the most force. Or who you know sticks with it the longest and is most stubborn is going to win, and meanwhile our children in the are in the middle. The children are the pawns in the middle of this because their only option. Children and parents send your school, send your kids to school with a mask, or put your kids on the front lines where they're being. They're the ones being kicked out of school. They're the ones being bullied and harassed and discriminated against.
0: Yeah. So we have four kids, and we've never done public school, and never will do public school because we don't want to deal. Um, there's a lot of things we don't want to do with, but, um, this would be, this would have fallen into the category of that. Um, and you know, it, it, when you don't do public school, you start asking those weird, weird questions like, why am I paying so much in property tax or sales tax or however they're taxing for it? Um, you know, it doesn't seem like that's, that's really equitable. Is there a push to pull the kids out of public school where you're at or. Is there not a lot of private school options? What's homeschooling? You know,
1: we're talking about it. Um, a lot of a lot of parents are talking about it. And, and one of the things the Department of Education offered us is what's called a HOPE scholarship. And that's um, been offered to kids with disabilities or who are bullied at school various reasons. So they've expanded that to if you don't like what your school is doing with masking, either direction, you can move to a private school. The problem with that is that the private schools are full. Because already last year, people pulled mm, their kids yeah. out of home. So there's no seats available in our county in private schools we can go to a different county, but that we're in a large county. That's a significant like hour drive each way to take your kids to out of the counties for school. So people are talking about homeschooling, but that's, as you know, as you know, that is a family disrupting decision. That is a decision you have to make that is going to be going forward. You're giving up an income or, you know, otherwise adjusting your family life to, to be able to deal with Caring for your children. And I mean, school is not childcare, but families depend on it to care for their children while they're at work, right? So the fact that we don't have, people are, it's it's a tough decision to make on the fly to say, okay, now we're homeschooling. But I know families that have done it. I know families that have put their jobs in the past week to homeschool, they're just done.
0: Yeah.
1: We're talking about pods, but we're trying to figure out, can we get this Hope Scholarship money for pods? that's something that you could ramp up. We're working on a charter school here. That takes two years mm-hmm. to ramp up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a decision that, you know, you can't take lightly because as you say, if you're going to put your kids into public school um, or school in general, um, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for both parents to work. And then you're like, okay, well, we've got two incomes now and, and private school is more expensive and you still gotta pay your taxes so you can't get that money back. And so it, 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 it's a very, uh, thing. the good news is if you're interested in homeschooling this as is an aside for those listeners there are more online schools now that might fit your your, your need so be sure to check that out if that's, a, if that's a question but beyond this point um to your point about taking a stand i think that more um if you're concerned about what's happening your COVID, more people will have to give this a long look right and say listen feeding the kids to the public school system puts us in a compromised position right because we can't you know if they're going to challenge the governor's authority and the county's authority and i have no idea who's you know, constitutionally right in florida um, but you can just see this quagmire which is the federal government saying hey if you want the money here you go um that's that's kind of the frontline area where um, people might have to make the sacrifice and make the stand there because um you know if enough people theoretically were to leave public school um, then you could relook at voting for the tax issue right which would then put a lot of pressure on the county so there's there's some creative ways but that's a very extreme sacrifice a very hard sacrifice you have to make on the other end, to your point, you talk about maybe maybe filing lawsuits. So tell me, um, from your perspective, what are some of the lawsuits that could be filed um, or some of the issues that have been raised that you think are good issues on a constitutional or uh, employment basis um, from your perspective?
1: Part of the problem is that it's it's not the, – the, the precedents are not strong here. The only precedent we have is Jacobson, which is from, what, 1905 and something. And it precedes a lot of our current law, and it it doesn't even line up. With a lot of our current precedents, but it's what we have right now. So this is something that will likely have to go all the way to the Supreme Court before it makes a difference. Um, and we're not even really getting small wins. I mean, it was the, at least the Texas Supreme Court um, gave us a small win, uh, gave Texas a small win over the weekend. Um, we had a small win here in Florida where Jeff Childers, uh, a Gainesville local to me attorney, uh, got a appeals decision stating that mask mandates are presumptively unconstitutional. That gives a that's like a one leg of the stool of getting an emergency injunction. Mm-hmm. And that may help us if we do get, for example, if our county tomorrow decides to put in a mask mandate, you know, he's ready to file on that basis. Um, there's a group of parents um, filing against our school board. Um, I believe the City of Gainesville employees are looking at lawsuits. The the problem everywhere is funding. Um, we have on my, it's on my Twitter and I can put it up again, but, you know, we have a local, uh, fundraising for, for our school board lawsuit because they can't even start unless they get a lot more money. And the the problem, so the problem everywhere is two things, funding and finding lawyers that are willing to take this because they don't see it as a winning issue. I've been trying to match up people with lawyers and there are very few lawyers willing to take these cases.
0: Yeah, I, I, (laughs) I, I can see in. You know, you talk about this the the small wins and the big wins and all that. You know, we have Amy Coney Barrett who just kicked out the Indiana Indiana State's ability to um, not be uh, vaccinated to attend college. You know, here locally, what we saw last year was um, the prosecutor in the county refused to prosecute uh, business owners for opening back up, and so the judge, I think it was uh, the mayor, whoever, fired or, 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 or no appointed a new a new special prosecutor to go do it, and it's wow. like. what are we what are we doing here like the person who's in this office you know is saying no and then we're going to appoint a special one which means that theoretically you could just continue to appoint special ones until you find someone who carries at your will that that's a very very scary precedent whatever you think of covid policy it's a very scary precedent that we see being rolled out in front of us and to your point about there's not much precedent um you know, in the in the near term, there's a lot of those precedents that are be, being laid down, and I'm concerned that those might actually come back to bite us more than we think about.
1: Yeah. So, um, just just one thing I haven't really seen anywhere else, but Jeff Childers wrote on his Facebook, um, and he has a very good um, Medium page and his Facebook. If people want to look him up, he writes every day. But well, he wrote that um, Amy Coney Barrett was right to not take that. And I know that's a very very unpopular opinion on the right, but his point was that there mandate is that if you don't get vaccinated you have to wear a mask and get tested and that it really comes down to that they're complaining about having to wear a mask and so it's not a strong vaccine case as it would be if for example they weren't allowed to come on campus without a vaccine and he said he thinks amy Coney barrett was looking for a stronger case because either however this goes it's going to set a precedent Mm. and we don't want the wrong precedent to be set so if she has to rule in a weak case that they're okay with this vaccine mandate because there is a fallback that sets a precedent for other vaccine mandates. So he thinks she's looking for a better case. I I, I can't, you know, obviously we can't read her mind, but it's it's one way to look at it, that that we have to get the right cases with the right facts um, to the right courts, (laughs) um, you know, and and with competent attorneys, because I've seen some of these get argued by attorneys that just didn't do a good job
0: yeah going back to the supreme court last year though some of the rulings around church shutdowns and stuff
1: no question
0: yeah it didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense and didn't seem to be really uh what we're looking for but if you look at um to 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 the larger point it seems like uh, if you stand up and you resist now in the case of a college you know you're, you're in trouble but that that again brings another question which is you have these colleges which are going to be funded by taxpayer dollars right making statements um and you know, it's like hmm, I'm not really sure about that because, uh, again, you know, Americans by and large need to start thinking in terms of principles, and we've really kind of lost that idea. Which is, it's not about COVID, right? We both, me and you, it's, I heard your opinion on COVID. I think we generally agree about COVID. It, it could be very dangerous, it be very deadly, uh, depending on who you are and you know your health condition and stuff like that. Uh, but for a lot of people, it's probably going to be okay. If you want to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. If you don't, you don't. I've never asked anyone, you know, uh, of any serious consequence. Did you get the flu shot? Unless unless, unless we're talking about like, hey, I oh, got the flu. Oh, did you get the flu shot? I'm just curious. But uh, but now we've made it to where we need to ask these questions. We need to put this in the forefront. Our lives revolve around, around this disease and um, we've got to get back to living. Like that's part of being human is just living your life and not living where you're constantly responding to a perceived threat.
1: And that goes back to the the no, no end point to this. And so, and Governor DeSantis has started to say this, and as far as I can tell, he's the only one, except maybe Rand Paul saying it, is that COVID is going to be with us forever. And, you know, our local experts are from, experts, I like putting them in quotes, um, are from the University of Florida. And they keep saying that, no, you know, we know the vaccine doesn't prevent spread and we know it doesn't prevent infection, but still, if we get everybody vaccinated, we could finish this now. Mm-hmm. They keep saying that we can finish, we need to get over the goal line, we're almost there. There's no there, there's there's no goal line, there's no end to COVID, COVID's gonna be with us. And the strategy needs to be to get the young, the at risk, the not at risk population immune and natural immunity is obviously stronger in spite of the fact that nobody will talk about it. And it's obviously more effective against variants and that's what we need and we need to just stop the hysteria and go on about our lives and make per- get all the information possible how do we treat it how do we prevent it? How do we boost our immune systems? Um, what can doctors do? should doctors be seeing patients and looking at them and treating their symptoms instead of saying um, go to the ER when you can't breathe mm-hmm. there's there's so many aspects to this if we if we looked at it from a medical perspective the way doctors are supposed to treat patients, Instead of from a societal behavioral perspective, then we need to just start treating the patients. That's what doctors do. They don't tell us how to live our lives. They treat patients. And they give us advice. And most of the time, we don't follow it. And you know (laughs) that, right? I mean, obviously, people smoke. People drink too much. People do drugs. People eat too much. They eat the wrong things. We don't follow doctor's advice. Why, Why are we suddenly letting them rule us?
0: Well, it, you know, one of the frustrations is, you know, um, about all of this is, you know, was Eric Holder uh, or Emmanuel, I don't know, never let a cr- good crisis go to waste. Okay, well, here was a chance, and, and we, we saw this a little bit, which was, hey, we've gotten into a mentality where you get up at 8, you go to your, you go to work at 8, you leave at 5, you go to some big building, you're, you're a number, and then everyone got to work at home. It's like, you know what? I'm not saying everyone should work at home or not, but that was a good chance. COVID at least gave the opportunity for people to go. you know, we've kind of ordered society this way. Maybe this is a chance to reevaluate, you know, um, why do you have to be here eight to five? Is it really necessary? Can my job be done at different hours of the day to accommodate schooling? Um, And so for all the bad of COVID, the potential for good questions to be asked out of it, those were also swept to the side because now we're kind of going back saying, well, now you got to come back and you got to get a vaccine. So it's kind of the worst of both worlds where it did open up some interesting things to explore and we ignored those as well.
1: Exactly. And and so many more than that. I mean, how do you, people should, you know, maybe talk about vitamin D, talk about getting up and instead of getting outside and getting exercise and being active and being doing healthy things, which we know that having relationships is healthy, being outdoors is healthy, exercising is healthy. We know these things. And yet the, all the, the, the advice that the mandates Mm -hmm. stay home, stay indoors, don't meet with other people. I mean, we saw that thing, that was that, Australia a couple of days ago where the prime minister was saying, hey, if you see somebody you know, don't talk to them.
0: Well, New Zealand, uh, I don't know if you heard or not, they went under lockdown for one COVID case. This will be, when, just for the listeners who are keeping track at home, I think this will be the third time that New Zealand can declare that they beat COVID. Because <laughs> the first two times weren't enough. This will be the third or the fourth time that they beat COVID. It, it, it's, it's like, guys. I mean, what 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 is going on here? You're shutting down again for what?
1: Island nation can't beat COVID. What makes you think anybody else can?
0: Yeah, you're you're bringing logic to the situation. I know
1: that's that's been my my downfall all along is that I'm approaching this logically. I'm looking at the data. I'm reading the studies, and I they don't match what we're being told.
0: Okay, so let's take the opposite side now. So I think Desantis did this in Florida. I think Abbott and Texas as well, which was blocking businesses, cruise lines, what I'm thinking of specifically from all, uh, requiring um, vaccines um, to enter uh, their place of business. Now at face value, so like myself goes, okay, yeah, but I'm also a little concerned again, that there's a precedent being set where the governor is overstepping their bounds. What's your read on that? Is that actually what happened in Florida um, or other concerns about that?
1: So that was actually passed by the legislature. That's not the governor. Okay. Um, so that's an actual law. And yeah, we can certainly, we could talk about whether businesses have the right to deny entrance to anybody. Right. I mean, you could take that position as a libertarian, um, but if you do that, it has to be, we have to get rid of ADA. We have to get rid of, you know, you, you have to, if, if somebody wants to say only black people can come to my business or only white people, we have to allow that. You see what I'm saying? It's like, we already have the, the, this idea that we don't tell businesses what to do is ridiculous, and I think as uh, con- as conservatives, we need to think harder about this talking part point that businesses we don't touch businesses because it's a free market. It's not a free market. It's in no way a free market. Um, we've messed with the the market so much, and that I, I believe that that's one reason that. Our legislators aren't willing to come talk about not having vaccine mandates for employees because businesses are the lifeblood of the Republican Party. That's who the big donors are. Although I'm not even sure that's true anymore because the biggest businesses are are Democrat donors now. But so they don't want to mess with businesses. But we had I think Republicans, conservatives need to be thinking more about the people right now than the institutions because the institutions are in lockstep. And the businesses, and even businesses that don't want to mandate vaccines on their employees are getting a tremendous amount of, impre- of pressure to do it. And it's easier to just do it. And we, we can't as conservatives, we've got to let go of this notion that that business is our friend and that we can't touch business because we, we just and I'm not saying it's it's difficult, but we just need a, a, a better, consistent philosophy of what is a market how do we regulate businesses and, and how far can businesses go in limiting the rights of individuals?
0: Yes. Uh, and we don't
1: have that. We have, we, we have touch businesses and we have regulate them to the max. We don't have right. any, nobody's having a serious conversation about this.
0: Uh, no, I, I agree. We're not having a serious conversation and I think it's problematic. And that goes back to something I touched on earlier, which is labor laws. Like if we don't really we need to have a serious conversation around labor laws because part of this protection is the way that labor laws are structured. Right. And so labor laws, basically are saying that, um, you know, you, you, you know, if you want to be considered full-time, you had to put it this many hours in, which means that the employers are now have to decide, you know, do they, they want to put someone over 32, 36 hours, whatever it is, right. be a full-time employee or not. So the whole
1: so totally changed employment.
0: Right. right. Uh, and so, you know, and I had a conversation with someone a while back and they had a disability, not a not like um, it was um, a sleep disorder type disability and they were a little bit frustrated at what was happening. And I, and I, I just told them, I said, listen, it's the labor laws that are making the employer respond to you this way, because if they don't do it this way, they open themselves up for a lawsuit. What you should advocate for is that you as an individual gets to make a contract with your employer. Um, that's, that that deems that you can work around you with your sleep schedule and this, that, and the other. And without that, the employee really has no protection, right? Because we start trying to make these labor laws that include all the employees, uh, either they can get vaccinated vaccinated or not or whatever, or or they have to work 40 hours or whatever it is, um, or they need to, everyone gets two weeks vacation, everyone gets health insurance. Well, not everyone wants those things. Um, And so this is part of a larger issue uh, for employment protection that if the employees were actually able to negotiate their own contract, uh, they might find themselves in a better spot but they don't have that ability because of the way the laws are structured.
1: Right. And, and what, you know, I, am not a big fan of unions, but unions are being a little bit protected now in some cases, for example, Disney said that all of their employees had to get the, the vaccine except for the union employees, because they recognized it was a change in the bargaining agreement. Whereas for example, um, our local police department and uh, fire department, it is not being recognized. I mean, they're saying it's a change in the bargaining agreement and the city's saying tough, but this is where unions are, I, are kind of changing my opinion because they are actually being a little a bit protective by having a bargaining agreement. They can say this is a change in the bargaining agreement. And then so, you know, maybe employees need to have agreements.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, that's, yes. So we're saying, I think the same thing, which, 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 what I'm arguing for is uh, employees should be allowed to negotiate one-on-one or if they want to be, I'm not a big union person, obviously, but if they want to be collective and, and do it, then, you can have that discussion but primarily an employee should be able to negotiate with their employer the terms of their employment and it's not based upon anyone else's it's just this is this this employee wants a health insurance they don't want any vacation uh and they're willing to you know work saturdays or, or whatever it is um and the employer goes that's what i need great um and then the next employee comes in and goes i want the same deal or maybe it's offered maybe it's not um but but every employee you know as someone who's you know, had employees most employees have different wants and desires and needs, and but you had to create a custom package that kind of fits them all, right? Uh, and so to your point earlier about homeschooling par, or, or private schooling or whatever, part of the problem is, is that we've created this environment which is eight to five. Everyone has to come in these hours. You can't have any other solutions. Well, if employment laws were a little bit more flexible, you could protect employees from vaccination because they could have already had something like this in place, A. But B, they could work around and put their kids in private school or homeschool or whatever. So, yeah, I think we're – I think we're similar. The, the unions have the advantage because they're able to negotiate um, not on a per employee basis, but they're able to negotiate more directly.
1: Yeah, and 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 I, you know, your point is well taken. That flexibility is the answer to so much of this, right? Um, and and not everybody needs the same things. Like right now, there's there's employers that are saying, "Hey, you have to get a vaccine to come into the office." And some some employers are going, "Great, I don't want to come back to the office anyway." So that kind of works, but then they tend to make that. Uh, I, I know people who work from home that are being required to get the vaccine. So
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: Again, logic is not part of any of this. Let's
0: let's let's, let's leave that away. So where do we go from here? Cause we are heading into um, I don't know if college is open down there, but it's getting close around the country. College is going back. is um, coming back. I know a few NFL teams have announced the saints, the Raiders specifically, maybe more. Have announced that they are going to require a proof of vaccination or a negative test to enter the game. That's going to be a nightmare. Uh, just go ahead and queue up the stories for fake vaccine cards being passed out these games. Oh, yeah. that's what's going to happen. Um, that's but you know, you have obviously Florida, the, the, the Gators getting ready to play football, I'm assuming, full stadiums. Um, you know. What are your concerns as we go into fall, into winter? Um, I think this was a chance for people who want to get back. They missed out on 2020 football. They want to go back and watch some SEC football, some NFL football. This was their chance. Do you think they will get it, or are you concerned that we're going to see, um, you know, restrictive rollouts coming?
1: I think they're going to get it. But so, and this is where we got all this weird stuff going on because it's Florida. So we have our kids, you know, in masks, right? We have the county talking about a mask, but the University of Florida is subject to the board of governors of the state university system. And they have said, you are going back to normal operations. So last week, University of Florida, they're right now, they're expecting people to wear masks, but it's being enforced by massive peer pressure, but you don't actually have to wear them. But I mean, I know people that can't go to go into bathrooms, because there's like, hall monitors that won't let them go in the bathroom because they're not wearing a mask. I mean, it's just ridiculous stuff going on. But they were all ready to let all the professors go remote for three weeks. Um, They were, you know, all kinds of things. And then board of apparently Board of Governors clapped down because um, University of Florida suddenly changed their tune Friday night and said, nope, we're having in-person classes. We're not going remote. Um, We are planning on completely normal football games, um, which just starts in a couple weeks. And they're, you know, tailgating, full stadiums the works. Now they might require masks, they required masks last year, but they, but I don't think they can, because again, Board of Governors is telling them you can't require masks. Hmm. So we're gonna have, you know in the same town, full football stadiums and children that have to wear masks to school. Is, is it, because obviously everything has to make sense now, okay. but I do think they are going with full football stadiums. And honestly, that's one of these things that I was so upset about last year. Going to a football game is not a mandatory thing for anybody. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no reason to say we need to keep, you know, we need to protect people that go to, to football games by keeping them distanced from each other, by wearing masks. They can't, so they don't catch coat. That's a purely voluntary activity. Mm-hmm. If people want to go get, take the risk, why do we care? And this is as with so much, and, and, you know, this, all the stupid protocols around football teams, I thought a year ago that the smart thing to do, and I think LSU might have, um, was to expose all your students in the summer Mm -hmm. and and just make sure they all got it. And so you'd have less of a chance of popping positive tests during the season and quarantining your star players. And, um, you know, but instead, for example, University of Florida was very, you know, they're keeping them all apart and limiting the number of people in the weight room and testing them every day and all this nonsense. Um,
0: Yeah, it was... I mean, you had, um, and I can't remember the lady who wrote the article. I think she writes for USA Today, maybe. Anyways, when the Big Ten announced that they are having uh, football, she put it like the darkest day in Big Ten history. Right. And you're like,
1: we're going to see stacks of bodies.
0: <laughs> it's like, have you followed Big Ten history? Like there has been some pretty big scandals in Big Ten. We've got a, the Michigan State doctor who was doing Lord knows what to all those students. You've got the Sandusky scandal. You've got the play. I mean, we got a lot of stuff. <laughs> Oh, by the way, not a single Big Ten player, football player died of playing football last year, just, just to be clear. Um, and so
1: they're probably not hospitalized for COVID even.
0: Probably not hospitalized for, yeah, there was there weren't were any. If there were, we'd still be talking about we
1: it. would know, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And so so let's let's get ready to, to land this bird. So let's talk about the media for a second. How do you as so I am I guess I'm a member of the media, but I'm not a I don't consider myself a journalist, so I'm not trying to kind of have conversations. Um, you are uh, of the of the higher echelon of the media, if you will. How do you work through these problems, trying to report, trying to make sure that your publication, um, when you're putting stuff out there, is, is factual, it's accurate, changing your opinion? Because um, I have an interview that hasn't it hasn't aired right now, but it, it will air by the time this one airs um, with James Rosen, and we talk about um, some of the attacks that came on him during the Obama administration, and and I pointed out to him it's, it's quite frustrating that. Biden ran on this Obama still claims it that it's a scandal-free administration and the media goes along with it like that's yeah. fact it, that is that is not a fact that is not I didn't vote for Trump at the time just for if you knew the podcast here so it's not like I'm a Trump fanboy. this is not a fact that Biden didn't have a, I mean Obama didn't have a scandal-free administration but the media lets you problem with it so how do you as someone who is with the higher echelon of the media if you will um, try to stay factual logical uh, and not overly hyperbolic.
1: So it's important to understand that my personal Twitter is completely separate from my work at Alaska Chronicle. Alaska Chronicle is very straight down the middle. And my goal there is to is for people to know what's going on in local government. So I I watch all the meetings, I tell them, here's what they here's the motion, here's how they voted, here's what they said. And you know, they fortunately our local boards give me all kinds of great quotes because they're crazy, crazy progressive leftists. So, I mean, the stuff they say is so outrageous that I don't have to write anything. I just put up what they wrote. And so, I mean, that was why I started this. I want people to know what's going on in government because our local corporate newspaper is very progressive. Mm -hmm. And so they just, you know, they just cheerlead all the stuff that's going on or they don't even mention it. And so I try to, to highlight the stuff that I think that people on the right should be aware of. And so it's a little different angle, but it's very... I mean, when I write about a meeting, it's very straight. It's like, here's what happened, here's what they said. Mm-hmm. There's no editorializing. Um, we run rare opinion pieces. I'd say one or two a month at most, and that's on a busy month. We run very rare opinion pieces, um, and that's just commenting on what we see, mainly locally. I do. I do limit the newspaper to local mm-hmm. um, issues, and so that that to me is is different from what I do on Twitter, which is basically trying to foment revolution. Sure. <laughs>
0: Taking but, a thrower to it.
1: <laughs> one of my, what part of what made me big on Twitter, and I, the initial thing that made me big on Twitter was recording um, death by day mm. data for Florida. But the next thing was forget your mask. And so yes. I was just trying to get people to walk into places where you have a mask mandate, walk in and make them ask you to put your mask on. And then at that point, you have a decision to make. You can leave or you can put a mask on, but at least create that friction. Mm-hmm. of making the masks. So I I had a you know forget your mask hashtag for a long time and I was but you know I'm honestly we're past that past forgetting masks right now. We're we're in I I think we're into where we can't comply with any of it. Um and the more people that don't comply, the better off we're going to be at this as this country because I don't know how we get out of the moment we're in.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a scary spot and you know you you said conservative I think I'm going to go and you know what I've tried to um, I think for the conservatives, you know, what they have to start doing, and libertarians is the same. We all have to do is, is, is kind of this idea of what are your principles? You know, how do they rank? You know, all of us, unless you're a progressive who just kind of goes with you know whatever the government says, all of us should be questioning. You know, how do we rank our our our, our um, what laws are important to us? You know, how do we follow them? How do we respond? You know, we all should have questioned that in the past year. Um, is it, is it is very concerning? You look at Australia. You look at New Zealand um, and then you look at New York City. You go, wait, hold on. The jump, the jump there isn't as far as we thought it might have been uh, 24 months ago. Um, And so, we never
1: thought Australia and New Zealand would go this crazy and Canada. It's, It's insane. Nobody thought these these countries would turn into little fascist tyrannies, which they have. So no, I, I completely agree. Um, and the problem with all of the COVID stuff is that there's no principles behind any of it except okay. that we must do anything possible, regardless of the cost, to stop one particular virus. That's the only principle. And we're not looking at costs. We're, we're not. We're not even comparing costs to benefits. We're not doing. We're not doing anything except saying that this one virus is the only threat, and eradicating it is the only goal. And everything else is secondary, and there's no there's no limiting um, there's no limiting force there. There's no limiting principle there. It's it's and that's why we're seeing it more and more and more. The last do something we did didn't work. Let's do it. Let's do more of it. Mm-hmm. Let's do a different something, and then let's do more of it, and let's just keep doing something, and we don't care if it works because we must do something.
0: Yeah, and I'll let you get the last word in here. Um, I saw someone on Twitter the other day defending some of Trump's actions last year. They're going back and forth with me. And I can't remember what they said, but something, something to the effect of, well, you know, the, the beginning of the pandemic was like a war. And so you have to kind of brush a lot of things to the side. And I, I was like, no, no, that's 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 the exact same logic while we're watching what's happening in Afghanistan today or all this stuff around as we, we start making these. Well, it's like a war or it is a war or this is a war. And, and it's like, no, this is a, a virus. It can kill you. I don't. This could you guys say it 500 times in today's society? It can kill you. It is deadly. There are concerns. Um, but oh, by the way, there are concerns that outlast. I have four kids. They hopefully will have kids. They hopefully will have kids. So the Ray lineage, you know, I'm looking beyond um, today. I'm looking multiple generations down the line. And what I don't want is for each generation to grow up in a progressively worse society uh, than we are today. And if we don't do something. That's exactly where we're headed. So I'll give you the last word there.
1: Well, and and I I blame Trump for all of this. He he put Fauci in charge. He he didn't question him. He didn't um, he didn't ask for evidence that anything that that Fauci was recommending. I mean, Fauci flipped. He flipped, the, Everybody knew before COVID that masks didn't stop viruses. That's why Fauci said that early on because everybody knew. Everybody in public health knew this. Years and years of studies, right? But. You know, Trump allowed himself to get scared. You know, he had lots of friends in New York City. Um, he knew people that got that died. He, he allowed himself to be run by the public health establishment instead of standing up and saying, "This is a threat. Here's what we know about it. Um, we're going to let people make their own decisions," which would have been the correct thing to do. But Trump got scared. He let he let Fauci take the wheel, and. That's why he lost the election. You know, if, if you do think he legitimately lost, which of course there's questions there, but certainly it wouldn't have been even, and we wouldn't have had the massive mail-in ballots if he had said, you know, we're voting, we're we're not changing laws, um, that sort of thing. There's so so really, this is all this is all on Trump. Now I thought Biden would come in and declare victory, right? You yeah. know, we got through the winter wave; it's all decreased now. We've lot we we're moving past COVID. Um let's move on to our pushing our policies through. So I'm fairly astonished that they haven't done that. And and honestly, that only goes dark places that, <laughs> that they didn't do that, right? That that they're that that they're just enjoying the tyranny.
0: Okay. And- I said last word, but I I'll let you respond because you brought something up here. <laughs> so if you go back and watch, they were getting ready to declare a victory. And then it felt like, and I don't have the this is just Okay, we're put his full hat on here for a second. Uh, this feels like what happened. I don't have the actual news stories lined up to say this. It felt like what happened was is Biden you know, hits these vaccine vaccination goals. Boom, there we go, America. And then it's like, okay, well, we need to get a few more people, America. And it's like, okay, people aren't getting the vaccine. Hey, huh. The Delta variant is here and now we've got to get it. And so I'm not saying that necessarily that's what happened, but I am saying that's how it feels like it happened, which is um, they didn't get the numbers they wanted from the vaccination. And so then you get all of a sudden the the fear mongering. Well, yeah, we
1: didn't hit the 70% by July 4th that he was, was aiming for. Yeah. But, you know, why at that point did you go, hey, everybody's, everybody's had the option to get it. It's right. up to them.
0: And from we don't need 20- 70% to your point earlier because we have people who have gotten it. Correct. Right. So we don't even know what what is the real we don't n- know
1: what the breakdown is. Right, right. And so And we don't have good serology studies telling us how many people have antibodies. And and that's inexcusable. There's so many things that are inexcusable about this.
0: Okay. All right. Where can people find you at?
1: All right, Twitter, J Haskins, H-A-S-K-I-N-S, Cabrera, or just if you look for Jennifer Cabrera, you'll find me. Um, that's that's the main place, Twitter. I mean, if people are interested in Alachua County news, I'm at alachuachronicle.com, but it's, it is very narrow. It's it's county news. So.
0: <laughs> if you want to know what's going to happen with the school board, the mask mandates and all that, go there. Um, okay, well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for the time. I really enjoyed it. And listeners, um, you know, Inside the War Room is open to all kinds of perspectives. So if you listen to this podcast and you're angry and you want to come on and talk about it, uh, let us know. We'd be happy to to have you on. Um, we will bring on Jennifer to debate you, though, just as a warning. <laughs> With that being said, we'll talk to you next week.